Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we just thank you this morning for your goodness in this place. We thank you for your renewed mercies. We give you thanks, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet. Psalm 112 says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord because his children will be mighty after him in the land. He will increase and prosper and have no lack of any good thing. Riches and provisions and wealth will be in his house and he will have no fear of bad news. He will have no concern with regards to having a horrible future. We pray your peace upon each person here today and ask as we celebrate Father's Day, you give us an understanding of your heart. And we want to say we love you, we appreciate you, we honor you in this day, giving forth of our hearts, our lives, our talents, our fortunes, our treasure. We give you thanks, Lord, for being our Father here upon the earth. Give you thanks for the inheritance you laid up for those of us that are walking in obedience to your word, to honor you, O God. Now open your word to us and allow us to see your heart as you unfold and reveal your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray that this would be a good seed planted in good hearts that will bring forth a good harvest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I was contemplating the Father's Day message, there's all sorts of thoughts with regards to uh, a man who is negligent, a man who is lazy, a man who does not fulfill his calling. But in the same manner as when the U.S. federal government is training up people to identify counterfeits, they don't grab counterfeits and show you all the different types of counterfeits and bills that are illegitimate. The way the Federal Reserve and the federal government trains up people to identify counterfeits is by spending time feeling, counting, smelling, looking at the real thing. And as we look at the real thing, then when the counterfeit comes across, we can identify it. So this morning, instead of spending our time looking at the defective father, and the negligent father, and the lazy father, and the father who has abandoned his call, and his his legacy. Um, Even last last year was the first time that, that I was able to go through the history books and see the life of King Edward VIII. He was a groomed as a little child from little from a little boy to a young man to then a teenager and a young adult like we've seen Prince uh, William and and uh, Prince Charles children right uh, their sons Harry uh, they've been groomed their whole life for one thing and that one thing is that they can take the leadership of the English throne to take over the care of the English people because that's what a king does and uh, this gentleman, King uh, uh, Henry VIII, he, no, King Edward VIII, in 1931, he became 
the king of England, and he was only able to become king for one year. And why one year? Because at the end of that year, he says, if I can't throw a tantrum and choose whoever I want for my wife, then I'm not going to be king. So he gives up the throne of England. And this latest movie, The King's Speech, uh, is about his brother who had speech problems and had to give a speech during World War II as they're being attacked by Hitler and the Germans. Well, his older brother, um, King Edward VIII, he, he decides that he's not going to be king because he wants to throw his little tantrum and he leaves the throne, he leaves his family, he leaves his legacy and he's going to go and live for himself. And so there you see the majority of a man's heart that refuses to grow up to be who God has called him to be. Uh, the greatest of all callings is that of being a father. That's what God created man for. It's, it's, it's a mature level of responsibility. And there's nothing closer to this. <clears throat> the only thing that we can look at to imitate and learn, there's no educational system, there's no university degree. This is the imprint of God the Father. That's where it comes from. That's the source. Uh, he's called the progenitor. He's the first of all that come after him. And so our God the Father, who many of us have become so detached uh, in, in, in degrees that is incredible. I had a young man last Sunday, and he says, Pastor, why doesn't God show us signs? Have you ever ran into a person that says, why doesn't God show signs? How many have run into people like that? He says, Pastor, why doesn't God show signs like in the Old Testament? I said, when we get to my house, I'm going to show you a sign. And he's thinking, you know, I'm going to part the lake open. A lake in my backyard. I said, no. So we got to my house, and I went into the kitchen, and I grabbed a mango, and I started peeling the mango, and I sliced the mango. How many know it's mango season in Miami? And I gave him a slice of mango. And I go, there's your sign. This is, this is proof of the existence of God's power and goodness. Every time you do something that's upon the earth that is the goodness of God, that's a sign. And how foolish we are to seek other signs. Uh, we saw on Thursday here at church a man by the name of Wayne Meyer. He says like this. He says, everybody take a deep breath. Ready? Hold it. Just hold it until I tell you. Keep holding it. We're all going to pass out here in a second. And he says, we couldn't even live without the next breath of God towards our life. Real powerful. The existence of God is every day, everywhere. And some of us have become so foolish in our lives that we go around questioning. I don't see God. I don't know God. I see God. Where's God? And the truth is, every breath you take, every mango you eat, Every morning you get out of bed to live, to move, and to have your being, that's proof of the existence of our God. And he's a fat, powerful God, and there in the beginning, we see that he reveals himself early on. As he shows up in Genesis, and we see the, the powerful characteristics of God with every move that he makes. 
for one thing that I will challenge you this morning about being a father is following the track of Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6 where it begins to describe the development of attaining fatherhood. It says a child is born, a son is given, the next phase. Leadership and government are his responsibility. He's a wonderful and mighty counselor. He's a mighty God. And then it says eternal father, everlasting father. Dad, I want to tell you, you will never stop being dad. Don't let anybody ever tell you that as soon as your son turns 18 years old, you no longer are dad. You will be dad from the first day of the birth of your child to the last breath that you have. You will always be father. You will always be a father. A man yesterday called me and says, my 42-year-old son is lost, he's abandoned, he's forsaken. And that father's only concern was, where is my son? What is going on with my son? And I was, I was looking at him like going, are you ridiculous or what? No, he's a father. He's a father. And that will never be taken away from a man. The aspect of being a father is a powerful thing. A lot of people go around bothering their father saying, no, you're my buddy. You're my chum. You're my friend. Listen, you'll have many friends, you'll have many buddies, but you only have one father. You only have one man in this life to which you owe the honor and the respect. And in fact, as God shows us in his word, and we'll get into later on, there's no greater weight of worthiness and prosperity than how you relate to a father. How you relate to a father will determine many things in your life, even as you relate to those that will act as fathers in your life. Those that will come into your life like Paul came into Timothy's life and was able to father him in the ways of the Lord. Was able to give him a relationship that was without end. There is no end to this father relationship with a son. And so that's where God says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, this is the first mention of father. This is the first mention of father. It's not that the father was not present, it's that God is embarking man into life so that he can see the future for what it is. Everything in the past, God is the father. Everything in the present, God is the father. Everything in the future, eternally, God is the father. He's the father of the past, of the present, and of the future. Your relationship will never scale to a time where he will not be a father. With your own father, I pray that you not say, because I am 40, I don't have to honor him. Because I'm an adult now, I could challenge him. I had a pastor friend of mine says, Joaquin, when a man becomes older, he no longer needs to turn his heart towards his father because he's a man. And that's not true. The Bible says any day that you decide to turn your heart away from the father, be it an earthly father or a spiritual father, you're going to have confusion and chaos in your life. You're going to lack the provisions of God who bestowed upon us fatherhood. Where Paul tells Timothy, you might have 10,000 instructors, 10,000 college university professors, but not one of them will replace the substance of father. Not one of them will replace what I have put in your life in regards to a father. 
So there in Genesis 2.24, he gives this instruction to man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And how a man leaves his father and mother will determine how he will enter his husbandry. You want a nightmare of a husband? Make sure you find a son who doesn't have a father, who can't point to a spiritual father, who doesn't have the provisions of God in this area of his life. For God has said, surely a man who leaves his father and is joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. Well, listen to me. You cannot become one with a selfish man. You cannot become one. There's no way that you become one because it is all his. It's all self-serving. It's all personal to him. And only a man who's been a good son will be a great father. I want to challenge you today if there's issues in your life with respect to your relationship with your father. Address that in the manner of Malachi chapter 4 verse 7 where it says if the hearts of the sons are not turned towards the father and the, the hearts of the father towards the son, Malachi 4, 6. If the, these hearts are not pointed, not at the university, not at the knowledge of this world, not at the personal uh, development and, and, and aspirations of, of lofty thoughts, no. It's a matter of the heart turning towards a father. And, and we don't know what a father is. And many of us who do have fathers have cursed the very existence of our fathers, not having understanding, not being able to realize what God is trying to do through them. First and foremost, the aspects of provision, protection, promotion, the affirmations of a father to give you the thumbs up, what you're doing as well. What you're doing is good. Where you're headed is a good thing. And a lot of gentlemen try to say, my father doesn't mind. And we're not talking about what your father tolerates. We're talking about what your father affirms. And for you to be a, a son who receives the affirmation of a father, you need to be able to zip this thing here called the mouth and open up your heart to perceive the weight and concern of your father. If you don't understand your father, make sure you pray to God and ask God to allow you to understand his heart. I had to do this as a young man when I became saved. The very first Bible verse the Lord taught me was Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, children, honor your mother and father in the Lord, for this is right. This is righteous. This is never going to be wrong for you to listen to mom and dad. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the right way to go. This is the right direction. This is the purpose. If everything else leads opposite to where your dad's pointing, follow your dad's finger and direction so you can fulfill the call of God upon your life. So you can see the glory of God. Not many people will see the glory of God because they will not follow what is right. Verse 2, it says, honor your mother and father. For this is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is not the church that gives you this promise. The promise is not a man, a pastor, a Bible teacher, a Sunday school teacher. The promise is from God. God says if you honor your dad, verse 3, the promise is everything will go well with you. Verse 3. And you'll live a long life upon the earth. You guys going to put verse 3 up there? 
computer has a glitch. What, what two powerful promises. What more do we need for our lives than to be directed for everything to turn out right? That's called, to me, that's called prosperity to me. That's, that's considered success. If everything comes out right, everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life upon the earth. That means it, it, it goes along with good health. It goes along with a peace of mind. It goes along with you'll end up in the right place with the right person doing the right thing. There's nothing else upon the earth that promises this than this very thing. And so he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The second provisions of a man are to be able to find a good wife. And in Bible times, they honored their fathers in such a degree that they would never marry a woman unless their father gave them the thumbs up. In fact, they would say, hey, dad, you know better than I what I need. So why don't you go get her for me? Go find a good wife for me that we can build a godly family. And I want to challenge you in that regards. Make sure that your father has something to do with the person you get married to. Be you a spiritual father, be you a physical father. Make sure you have the thumbs up. I was talking to a young woman two years ago, and I saw her. She was putting together all her wedding arrangements. She had picked her husband. It didn't matter that the man was previously married to another woman. But he picked a, uh, she picked her own husband, and, and she was putting together all the arrangements for her wedding. And I asked her one question. I said, why don't you allow your father to participate with this? You know what she told me? I don't trust him. I don't trust my dad. That's a sad, sad state of affairs when we've lost the ability to open our heart to listen to our fathers to weigh and concern ourselves with their thoughts. As we see fatherhood in Genesis 45, verse 8, nobody knew what God was doing in the life of Joseph as he was developing as a young man. The first declaration is, one day my brothers are going to serve me. And then he made a second declaration, one day my father will serve me. And then he made uh, the awful mistake of, of trying to express this to his brothers and sisters and, and he says that, that they hated him for it. And so Joseph is, is, is walking along. And, and this, this is one thing that, that I did as a young man. Lord, what do you have for me? Lord, where are you leading me? Lord, where are you taking me? What are your plans for my life? What is the will of God? What do you desire to make of me? How, how will I grow up? Here I am 44 years old. And I realize that what the Lord has with his desire with us is to make us after his own image and likeness. He wants to raise us up to be something called the father. It's not a earthly term. It's not defined in the universities. In fact, what they do in governments of atheism where God is not, the first thing they do is they remove the children from their fathers. Those of us that are from Cuba know that this happened in Cuba. The very first thing the government did is to send the children to school to be trained up and taught by those that were not their father. And the first thing that they were taught is that their father was the government and the systems set by men. And they destroyed the father and son relationships. And so they created the chaos that is communism the destruction of family, for where there is not a father, there is not a family. Genesis chapter 45 verse 8 says, So it was 
not you who sent me here. Joseph is saying to his brothers, it's not you guys who sent me here, but it was God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, ruler of all the house, owner of all that is in the land. Can you fathom yourself being the father? This morning as my, as my children came into my office and they were holding their Father's Day card and a gift, I said, who am I? that I should be called father to these men of God? Who am I, the gift of God, to count me worthy to father Nicholas, Joshua, Brandon, and Christina? Isn't that powerful how God raises you up to be a father? And yet in our generation, a lot of people have decided that they will hear another call. I want to be a great philosopher. I want to be a great leader in religious affairs. I want to be a great businessman, a great lawyer, a great medical doctor, a great scientist. I want to be a a, a financial guru. And we have all stepped aside of that call to grow up to be fathers. That's what God wants us to be. God wants us to be the father of nations, the father of multitudes, How incredible for this man to say, finally, I understand that everything I went through in life was that God would bring me to be the father of no one less than the king of Egypt, Pharaoh himself. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's molding our characters to come to that place where we can attain to the fullness. And what does a father do? He says it in verse 9. Hurry up. Go tell my father. Say to him, your son Joseph, is the, God has made him ruler over Egypt. Come and do not wait, for you will live in a land of Goshen. You know what Goshen was? The best of Egypt's land, Goshen. And he says, hurry up, because I've made provision for you, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks and cattle, and everything that you have has room for you. You The greatest dilemma of man is rejection, abandonment, the not being accepted, the not running into the arms like we just heard in the song. The prodigal's heart was to run into his father's arm, and yet we cannot because of resentment, because of strife, because of unforgiveness. We have issues regarding father. I want to again challenge you. If you don't become a good son, you can never be a great father. And that's why Jesus came in the image of a great son. He says, guys, if we're going to get to God's plan to be fathers, it's because we will walk as amazing sons. I I never understood for many years my father would not come to the Lord. And then finally we get saved and we start pursuing God. And, and as we get saved and start pursuing God, my father gets saved and starts pursuing God. And today, I am my father's pastor. What has determined where my father has walked has been because I have decided to be a good son to the Lord and to my father. And so you raise up to do the incredible and the impossible. If you follow God, a lot of people are concerned. My dad doesn't know the Lord. Guess what? He's supposed to know the Lord through you, right, Nick? Your father will see God through your life. You don't wait for your father to get it together or for your father to show. You be a good son, and you'll be able to be a great father 
even of your father. So here Joseph is inviting his father, come, for I have a place for you and your children and your grandchildren. I'm living for you guys. The epitome of fatherhood is the man who stands up to serve others, starting with serving God. If a man does not serve God, he will not serve his wife. You can shout amen a little bit louder. If a man will not serve God, he will not serve his wife. If he doesn't bless the house of God with tithes and offering, he's a meager spendthrift. He will not honor and bless and adorn his wife and children. He's a cheapskate. He has stolen God's goods and he will steal his wife's glory and adornment. This is the reality of what God is manifesting to us this morning. He has these thoughts about man. He says in Matthew 7, 11, if you being evil fathers, he, he addresses our fallen nature as a father. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father who's in heaven will give to all those what they ask? Because he's a bestowing, generous, thoughtful, serving man. He's laying down his life for the cause of another. There is no greater love, the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Our earthly fathers, they disciplined us, and we respected them for it. A father is one who corrects. A father is one who stands up, not with the dictatorial dictatorship of saying, I will tell you what to do around here, son. No. A father is the one that is, is correcting in love, is disciplining, is showing his care, going out of his way. I told my sons years ago, how would you like for me from this day forward not to talk to you again? Never to give you insight. Never to give you instruction. Never to point in the right direction. That would be a travesty. That would be a total travesty to lose the person God has put in our life to correct. And he says, if we, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits? Did you know that your spirit has a father? Did you know that your spirit has a father to which you should receive instruction, correction, and it'll raise you up to be a man, a husband and a father? James 1.17 says like this, he says, he is the father of lights who bestows every good and perfect gift. I, I am, listen, I'm a blessed man because I have a father who's bestowed every good and perfect gift. When you're able to have an inheritance like that, a legacy, that you know that your father in heaven will give you everything you need when you need it, how you need it, you can be at peace. You can be in total rest knowing that he cares for you. Two days ago, my glasses got stepped on. I cried. And I said, I'll never find glasses like this again. I bought them for $10 in Virginia at the $10 boutique, but they're super nice. And I said, how? Let me call the airport in Virginia, and maybe they still have some. So I tried to call. The, I got online, thank God, for Internet. And I tried to find, but they didn't have a phone number. So I said, I'm going to start looking for these glasses. And I looked, 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 and I looked. Where would I find $10 glasses? The same ones. I like them. 
Where would I find them? And after hours upon the internet and looking at all types of frames, if you want to talk about glasses, come to me. And finally, I said, Lord, I'll never be able to find these glasses if you don't help me. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack. It's like looking for a wife when there is no wife. It's like looking for a husband when there is no husband. Father, where's the one? Only you. I found it. I ordered three of them. Because God is faithful to give you to the detail of every good and perfect gift. The illustrations of a faithful God that we always do it on the last thing. Why did I leave it for the last? Why did I go look asking for him at the end? Why didn't I start and save myself some hours of sleep? Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He's the one that reveals himself and giving us the greatest gift of all. Do you, do you even know how to answer that? What is God the Father's greatest gift of all? His son. He gave us his best. How could we despise a God? There it is, the witness of the cross. He gave you his son to die on the cross for you that together with him, he can give you all things freely. And yet we turn our backs on him. And we become prodigals and we become wanderers and we walk far from the father's house. The illustration we have is there in the Bible is the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. Where he says that, that the son picked up and left and he came to naught. And at the end of his life he decided, let me return to who? Let me return to who? Let me ask my father if he's willing to train me up again. I'm 42, I'm 45, I'm 50 years old. Let me go back and let me, let me kneel down. This is what Paul did. Why did Paul's life take off so powerfully? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says like this, Now realizing that the Father of all things wants something for my life, what is the attitude I must take? Look what he says. Ephesians 3.14 For this reason, I'm bowing my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be underneath what he desires. I want to be the recipient of those good plans he has for me. Plans to give me a future and a hope, things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of man's hearts, the things God the Father has prepared for those who love him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll serve me. You'll walk in my ways. And so Paul says in verse 15, I bow my knees to the Father from whom the whole family, see everything comes together through Father. When you come under Father, you're in the family. If you're not under the Father, you're not in the family. All the family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, that he would grant you, that he would gift you, that he would bestow upon you the riches of his glory, of his strength through the spirit in the inner man. He wants to instruct you. He wants to govern you. He wants to lead you up. He says he's brought Jesus Christ 
as the image of the invisible God. Everything we see in Jesus. John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you know him because you have seen him. If you know Jesus, you will see the Father. If you know a son, he should be walking as the Father allows him to. As the Father instructs him to. As the full completion of what God has. And so they still didn't understand in verse 8. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And as soon as we see the Father, it'll be enough for us. Verse 9, he said, Jesus said to them, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? How can you say these words? Why? Because Jesus lined up, listen to me. Every thought, listen, every thought in Jesus' brain was his father's thought. He was meditating upon the word of God day and night. To be a tree planted next to the rivers of water whose leaves do not fail, who will give forth fruit in its season, and whatever he does is prosperous because his meditations day and night are on his father's words. He says like this, I speak nothing. I, I hope your thoughts do not differ from the words. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 49. For I did not speak my own opinion, but the Father who sent me, he commanded me what to say and how to say it. Don't we thank God that God put fathers in our life to teach us what to say and how to You're just controlling me, man. I just want to be what I want to be, bro. God help us. God, deliver us from us. That we would speak what we see a father speak, that we would speak it like a father speaks it. That we would line up with the heart of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 24. He who does not love me does not obey. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. The words that Jesus spoke were the words of his fathers. Let me ask you a question. What words do you speak? What, how do you color your opinion? How you color your thoughts? Your, you color your, the direction of life as you see it, as you perceive it. Not only every word, but every act in John 5.19. Jesus gave them an answer. John 5.19. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Who is our pattern for life? God gives you a father who is a carpenter. You want to be a plumber. God gives you a father who's an electrician. You want to be a veterinarian so that you can do everything you've seen your father not do. What a travesty. The greatest riches upon the earth are fathers and sons, fathers and sons, fathers and sons that maintain the same line of business and direction, imitating the strength of their father. Well, my dad made a fortune and a millionaire. I want to be a bum. I want to start at the very bottom like if I didn't have a father, like if I was an orphan, like if nobody knew me. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is seen in men like Jesus Christ. He says he followed the father faithfully so that he will sit upon the same throne where his father sits. I have overcome and sat myself on the throne of my father so that you can overcome also and sit upon my throne. So that you can follow my example. That's what a father is. He's a pattern after good works. 
It says like this in John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord and you do so rightfully because that is what I am. I wonder where Jesus found his teaching. Does anybody have a guess? In the Father. John 7, verse 16. Everything I have learned, I have learned because my Father has taught me. He says, Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine. I'm a teacher, but I'm teaching because I was taught. And I was taught because I have a dad who taught me. He showed me. A young man came in last week. He says, I want to be a man of God. I said, come here tomorrow morning and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with that. So he spent all morning with us. And at the end of the morning, he says, is this all you brought me here for? I almost kicked him out of my office. He said, I brought you over here so that you could see our life, so you could see our words, so you could see how we interact, how we respond. You should zip it right here and be all eyes and ears to perceive a man of God that you can walk like and after. Otherwise, you're confused. You're lost. You have no words to speak. And then only a fool is filled with his own fancy. Desiring to express himself, the Bible says. But Jesus says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me, my dad. What I have learned in John 8, 28, he says, when you have lifted up the son of God, then you will know that I am the one and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. These things I speak. I, I hope that you never, listen, if you know anything about me, forget about everything I am except what God has asked me to be. Forget about anything I've said and the way I've said it if it hasn't shown forth the character of God the Father. That's our life. That is what's allowing us to represent the God of heaven, what the world needs. John 14, verse 10. He says, don't you believe that I've come from the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father that lives in me who's doing this work. If you look at my life, if there's anything, anything good, if anything remains of stability, of generosity, of teaching, of passion, if anything remains, let it be the life of God the Father in me. Let it be the life of God the Father in you, Dad, who's listening today. You don't have to imitate Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. You don't have to imitate Donald Trump and Warren Buffett. You need to represent the God of heaven. You need to fill yourself with his words, with his ways, with his life, with his spirit, with his peace. I love the fact that God says in his word, I'm making room for you. John 14, 1, let your heart not be troubled. Don't be frustrated. Don't be worrisome. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house, there's many mansions. There's many dwelling places. I've provided a place that has your name on it. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome that God has made provision for you? Now I ask you a question, Dad. Are you making provision for others? Have you made provisions for others? Are you saying in Dad's house, you're going to get evicted next month? You're going you're gonna to have to leave. There's no place for you. There's no provision. Line up with God. Line up with his attitude. 
Line up with his generosity and you too will be able to tell your children like Joseph told his father, I have a place for you. I have a place for your children. I have a place for your children's children and bring over the cat and the dog and the cow. I've made room for you. Why? Because I reflect the glory of God the Father. As I, as I understand the provisions of the house of God in this place, I walked around this weekend, going around this place, I said, Lord, thank you for the place you've provided for us. Thank you for the place that you have provided for us, for our children. I, I challenge you to ask your children, what is their favorite place upon the earth? And they're going to say church. I love church. Because there I feel that I've been accepted, I've been received, I've been welcomed, arms open wide. The house of the Father. The house of the Father, arms open wide at measures. Do not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also this, that in my Father's house there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. A place for you. A Father who serves. John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says like this, Me, I, and the Father have a little difference of opinion. I and the Father, we don't get along. I and the Father have issues. I and the Father, if you see my Father, you see me, you, have, you see no such thing. There's no, greater, there's no greater gift given to a Father than that a son might carry on his legacy. That his sons might carry on his legacy. My wife tells me this morning in my Father's Day card, thank you, because the example you have set, I know for a fact that our children will change the world. They're following in your pattern. They're following in your words. They're following in, in the things you've taught them. That's what a father does. He's raising up the standard to represent God the Father in a mighty way. And there is no greater representation of God the Father than Matthew 20, verse 28. He says, even so, the Son of Man came not to serve, to be served. He's not serving himself, but to serve others. And to give his life away as a ransom to many. I could be doing a million things. Jesus could have been doing a million things. A father could be doing a million things. I've, I've come into the place where, where I've, I've taken a role as, as a father to my nephew. And so yesterday we were here at the church, and, and we were here for four hours. And when we left, he says, are we going to your house? I want to hang out with you some more. I said, look, I gave you three hours there at the church, and you still haven't given me thanks. I was there only for an hour for my stuff, but I stayed for three hours waiting for you to do what you're doing. And that's every father that sits in every little league bleacher looking at his son play baseball. And every father who concerns himself we're going to get new tires for his son's car. And every father who goes and concerns himself with his son's college career. And every father who, who decides to step out and take his family on vacation. And every father who buys underwear and toilet paper and all the provisions of a house for a family. Things we do not concern ourselves with giving value and appreciation. A total stranger will come by and say, your dad's an idiot, and you will say, I know. I've been telling him for years. Because we have despised and we've dishonored fathers. We have decided to take up anybody's word except the, father, the father's words. 
And he came to serve in Luke chapter 22, verse 27. He says, don't think that I'm here serving myself. For there is no greater one than the one who is at the table, the one who serves. It's not the one who's at the table, but the ones who are among you serving. Who are those people laying down their minutes, laying down their dollars, laying down their time, their energy to serve? And yet in our generation, we've decided to to really come along these men and trash them as they serve our marriages, our children, our families, our church, our community. I want to challenge you this morning that you follow in the line of those that were able to leave a legacy. In Genesis chapter 48, verse 9, this man says, bring me my sons that I might pray so that good will come to them. You don't want to make sure that you lose out on the blessing of a father. A father has the capacity to lay hands upon you and speak words that will prosper you forevermore. And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me so that I might speak good words for their prosperity. Verse 15, then he prayed that good would come to Joseph and said, the God with whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the same God that walked with Abraham, a father of faith, the same God that walked with Isaac, the father of nations. This God who has been with me, say with me, he has shepherded me, he has fed me all my life long to this day. He's been my shepherd my whole life. To this day, everything I am is because of him. The angel who set me free from all sin and bring goods to the boys. My name, verse 16. My name. Let my name be named upon them. Let their character be the character they've seen. The name of my fathers, the men who went before me, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow to be a great nation in the middle of the earth. To become a great nation. I want to challenge you today, men, as you walk in that high calling of father, that you listen and meditate upon these words. Listen and meditate upon the words of God, that you might line up with them and inherit all the glory of those that are faithful. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning and say, Father, you are mighty God. You are prince of peace. You are of king of king and lord of lords. Everything God bestows upon us this morning is his desire in his heart. We ask the worship team to come forward. Fathers, do not neglect and do not abandon. Do not fall short of your calling. It's a high calling. And it's an irrevocable calling. It's not too late. This morning I made sure that my sons kissed me on my cheek. I want to kiss on the cheek. Because as we grow up, we start to say, oh, I'm a man, I'm going to kiss you on the cheek, I'm going to find a girl to kiss. No, you kiss your dad on the cheek. Dad, you kiss your son on the cheek. And you say, there's no one like dad in your life. There's no one like a father. I've been accused many times as throughout the years we have shepherded, and God will turn our hearts into the heart of a father. We start concerning. I was telling Orlando yesterday, why do I care? You know why I care? Because I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm a spiritual father. I'm concerned about your future prosperity. That things will go well with you. That you'll live a long and prosperous life and happy. And so people come into the house of God and they say, you remind me of my father. 
And I said, good, give me a hug. And they go, no, I hate my father. I hate you too. That's what they say. They say, I don't like a pastor that's meddling in my affairs, who's concerned of speaking into my life, who's correcting me, who's, who's bringing circumcision to the heart. You would be horrible if you were left alone without a father. You would be an orphan. You would be a wanderer. You would be forsaken. You would be in a desolate wilderness. You will be in an unfruitful land. You will grow desperate and one day you will say, Oh, that I might go back to the Father and tell Him to make me like one of His servants. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 was saying, If if I have someone who cares enough that is willing to teach me in this season of my life, I want to learn. Great men of God have started their ministries at the age of 68. So you're not too late. You're still in time to be a faithful son. As we sing this song, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just meditate on this word. There's a love forgetting my failures There's a light defeating my darkness. There's redemption calling and causing all to all sing together. Glory.